so good to see each and every one of you here today. So thankful for you. So thankful for our church, our church body, our church family. I want to say hi again to those of you joining us online. If you're just now getting in to us, uh, catching up with us, we welcome you today. Um, this first Sunday of June, uh, we're beginning a new series today called Prayers. And uh, we're going to be looking at a few different things throughout the month regarding this subject matter. And um, obviously, just we just read and prayed one, one of the most famous ones there in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, prayed um, a lot. Uh, I, I grew up playing baseball, and before every game, a lot of the, the teammates would gather in a small circle or in a circle, and one of them would lead us in the Lord's Prayer. It was kind of a big deal, a kind of a tradition, so to speak. And, um, and so it's, it's one of the most famous ones that's recited and prayed for. The words pray, prayer, praying, prayers, those variations of the word pray appear over 475 times throughout the Bible. So I would say, I would think that the word prayer and the action of prayers is probably pretty important uh, if it appears that many times. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at um, a few different uh, topical type prayers uh, throughout this month. Uh, we're going to look at praying bold prayers. Uh, we've probably you've probably prayed some bold prayers. We're going to be looking at praying's humble prayers. There are different prayers in the Bible that talk about that. We're going to be looking at dangerous prayers. People who prayed some dangerous prayers in the Bible. We're going to look at those, and and we're going to look at some prophetic prayers. Uh, some folks have definitely prayed some prophetic prayers throughout the Bible. So we're not going to be able to get to every single one, uh, but we, we've chosen those four uh, areas, and um, it's where we're going to uh, kind of glean from each week going through, June, going through the month of June. And today, we're going to start with the first one, which is bold prayers. Um, looking at, at some, a couple of folks who, who prayed some bold prayers and how many of you know that God can handle our request? Uh, we may not think He can sometimes, uh, but He calls us to be bold to come to Him. And in fact, it says in the New Testament that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive the help that we need at that time. And God wants His, His children, His, His people to come to Him with assurance and with boldness. In fact, that's faith. All of these prayers are prayed by faith. We can't even approach God unless we believe He is God. And then there is a rewarder. There He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him, it says to us in Hebrews. And so we, we come to Him by faith, and then based on that, we, we come to Him with, with these different prayers. And we're going to look at, at a few different things uh, with bold prayers today. And um, I've... Uh, particular prayer we're going to look at that's a bold prayer. You may not, may not think it is, but as we go through it, you begin to realize how bold this prayer is. And that is the prayer, the bold prayer of, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Anybody ever prayed that before? Lord, if you would just bless me in this. Come on, any honest Christians today in the church? Anybody ever pray, Lord, would you just bless me in this? Bless me in that? Bless me as I go here? Bless me as I do that? Whatever it might be, Lord, bless me. That's a, actually a bold prayer because of, of the various, the, the meaning behind it and, the, and the, the connotation behind what that means. And so, 
um, the word bless actually has a meaning to, to kneel down. Uh, and it means to break down in humility to be able to receive divine favor upon your life. So to bless means to kneel down, to be broken down in humility to, in order to be able to receive divine favor from God upon your life. I would dare say we would all want God's divine favor on our life. We would want His hand of favor to be at work in our life. And so, but to receive a blessing, to receive this divine favor in our life and upon our life, we have to be able to also have the character to be able to to carry that blessing, to walk out in life um, with His divine favor upon us. Because... Oftentimes, the reward of blessing is seen in greater responsibility. Oftentimes, God blesses you. Hey, God, would you bless me in my job? And you get promoted. But with promotion comes more responsibility. Jesus said it this way, To whom much is given, much is required. And so oftentimes, the reward of God blessing a person carries with it the reward of greater responsibility. If he expects you to, if you want to, you want to be able to handle ten thousand dollars. He wants to see that first you can handle a hundred dollars, and then he graduates you and promotes you, and he sees that you have then the character within to handle the blessing of ten thousand dollars. A lot of times it gets equated with material or money, but the issue is bigger than that. God blessing us with his divine favor, he wants to see that we can then, if we receive that, we have the character to withstand it, to be able to appreciate it and carry it out. Because many times people have have certainly been blessed and have had signs of God's divine favor on them for different areas of their life, and then you come to find out, Behind the scenes, there was turmoil and there was trouble and there were parts of their life, their character that was, that was fragile and it just could not hold up under the measure of greater responsibility that God would put on them and therefore things fell apart and things crumbled. And so God doesn't, he wants to bless, he wants this divine favor upon his children, but at the same time, in order for that to be uh, expressed and for us to be able to give him the glory and the honor for it, we have to have the character to withstand it and to be able to walk it out in life. So the act of us asking God to bless us, God, bless me, is seen in our posture of being willing to really let the Holy Spirit go to work and break us down in a healthy, spiritual, God-honoring way so that we can then live out the purpose that He has for us with the blessing on us for His name's sake. And so when we go through, we'll go through trials. Trials test us. We'll, we'll face temptations. The devil tempts us. God tests us. We should not get those mixed up. God does not tempt us. God tests us. And when he tests us, he does so to bring out the greater good that he has put inside of us and wants others to see that he is the good one in us. The devil then, he will come and he will tempt us, but his temptations are to weaken us, to distract us, and to subtract from our life. And so uh, when we go through trials, we go through tribulations, we go through the process as it's often referred 
refer to, the the pressurization of things that God can use in our life. He's doing so because He's building a character within us to be able to withstand and carry His divine favor on our life in a way that will promote His name and honor Him in the way we live. And so at the point of us praying, hey, Lord, bless me, we are actually boldly praying, Lord, break me for your glory. That's why it becomes a bold prayer. The bold prayer of, Lord, bless me, is bold because what we're really asking is, God, by your power of your Spirit, work in my life in a way that will break me in a good way so that your glory can be expressed in my life. Who you are can be shown in every aspect of my life. So simply to just be blessed by God. God, bless me with favor. Lord, just bless me with your divine favor in and of itself is not enough. In and of that is not enough. Because here's what can happen. That can lead to a self-serving and a self-satisfactory kind of life. We can begin to uh, experience those types of things just for the reason of, I just need you to do this for me because that's going to that's improve my situation. That's going to improve my life. God, will you give me that front parking spot today? Mm, feel it, Lord. Hey, you might even get the front parking spot. But then what do we do with that front parking spot? The next time he comes around and we're like, Lord, will you bless us with that again? And there's another car waiting to get that spot. Would we willingly let that person have that spot. i got to be honest with you. I haven't always given up that spot. I always say, hey, favor ain't fair is what I used to say. But it's not always accurate because the favor, in my, the favor that might have been displayed was a test of my heart, a test of my character, that I got prideful, that I got arrogant, that I got self-entitled. Because then I'd drive around, there was no parking spot. God, what's up with this today? Maybe you just didn't appreciate it the last time. And so now you're going to park at the end and have to walk a little bit. Will you still bless my name? Will you still be thankful that, hey, I put money in your pocket to even go in the store to begin with? I put gas in your car for you even to drive from your home to the store to begin with. I put money in your bank account for you to even pay for the car to have in your driveway that you can put gas in and drive to the store to begin with to buy what you need to buy at the store. You guys follow that? (laughs) And so simply to just be blessed by God in and of itself is not enough. God wants more. He wants more for us. Yeah, He can lavishly pour out. He can lavishly demonstrate all of the abundance of who He is and what He has to give us. But he wants to see that his children have the character within to not only appreciate it, but then to be able to bless others in the process with what he has blessed us with and how he has blessed us in so many different ways. We need to be able to live in a broken place before God. And I'm going to explain what that means. In order for the blessing of God to carry weight in our life. Because here's the thing, if you're blessed with something, you have favor on your life for something, but, you don't, but, but you're not able to truly appreciate what has been given to you, then it turns into the self-satisfaction, the self-serving, the self-entitlement mentality that, that oftentimes 
we can, we, can, we can get, that we can live in that. And so as we live this way, then what will happen, if we live broken before God, what will happen is we will be quick to give God the honor and the glory that He deserves, and then we will make our life more about Him and less about ourselves. So that when His divine favor rests on us and is demonstrated toward, towards us, and we are experiencing that, then we will live in a way where we give, we point right back to God. God, you are the one from whom all blessings flow. You, every good gift comes from the Father above. God, I, I give you the credit, I give you the glory, and I give you the honor. And the blessing that you've given is not just for me and in, in, in of myself. It is good and it helps, and, and I appreciate that on my life. But at the same time, it's to make our life more about Him and less about ourselves. So that when others look at our life, they see we're not self-made, we're God-made. We didn't create this, God made this happen. God made this possible for us and how he does that. Look, look at this right here in Matthew 16. The verses will be on the screen. Jesus said it this way. He said to his disciples, those who were following him, he said, if any of, you, any of you wants to be my follower, then you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me, he said. If you want to try to, if you try to hang on to your life, you will actually lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will actually save it. And what you do, and, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? And then he says this in, in Luke 18, he tells this story said, Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and how they scorned everyone else. They said, two, he said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. He said, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. I am not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers said, I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. And it says, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so, here's the thing. To live broken before God does not equal unable or inadequate or invalid no, what it means to live broken before God is that there is a definite mark on our life made by God Himself. That it is evident that God has made an imprint. God has made an impression on the heart and soul and life of a person. That it has become so evident in other, to other people around. They know something has happened to you. God has definitely touched your life. This tax collector realizing his place. Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, you've got to, you've got to give up your way 
And you got to take up the cross I put on you. And you got to follow me my way. There's a humbling process that needs to happen in our life. If we want to truly walk in the blessing, the divine favor of God on our life. God wants to give it. God wants to demonstrate it. But He needs us to give up something in return. He needs us to give up our will. He needs us to give up our ego. He needs us to give up our self so that His goodness can be expressed in our treasure of clay that He's made us to be and it can be shown to the people around us. Peter says it this way in in chapter 5. He said, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. You see, the way we get, we get raised up in honor is not by making a name for ourselves, but it's actually by living humble before God, recognizing who we are before Him. I'm not suggesting we live beneath who He sees us as. I'm saying that what I believe the Lord wants us to understand is that we live humble because humble people don't have to brag. Humble people don't have to show off. Humble people don't have to, don't have to flaunt it if they got it. You just are. And God knows the difference between humility and pride. The ones who are humble will always have God's grace attached to them, will always have God's grace following after them. The humble will always have God's grace chasing after them and being a a part of who they are, knowing that any success in life, any measure of success and fruitfulness in life is not done because we did it. It's done because God was with me. God helped me. God provided for me. God is the center of my world. And no one else and nothing else is him, do I worship but Him and Him alone. And Peter said, when we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, God in, the, in due time, at the right time, has a way to exalt, has a way to raise you up, and has a way to put you in a place of honor. There, is, there are places that you and I have probably been in, situations you and I have probably been in, by the natural appearance and by the natural eye, we don't belong. We should not have gotten. We should not have received it. We should not have been noticed for it. But God, in His goodness and in His grace and in His divine favor upon our life, puts us in a place that raises us up because we live humble before Him. We don't chase after the accolade. We don't chase after the appreciation. We don't live for the applause of man, but we live for the applause of God. We live for the audience of one, our Lord, our Creator, our God. And when we live that way, God will always, always have a way at His time, at the right time, to exalt us and put us in a place of honor and raise up situations in our life that look like they were dead and over and shouldn't be happening, that God has a way of resurrecting and bringing good out of those things. And so we're going to look at just two people with the little bit of time I've got left. We're going to look at two people, Jacob and Jabez. I've never preached on Jabez. I've preached on Jacob before, but I've never preached on Jabez before. In fact, there's a book about Jabez, the prayer of Jabez. We're going to get into that in just a second, but I'm going to look at first, we're going to look at at where Jabez comes from. He actually is, is a descendant of Jacob. And so we're going to find out what that means. So Genesis 32 and 1 Chronicles 4. 
Genesis 32, and then 1 Chronicles 4. First, Jacob. These two men prayed a prayer, prayed this bold prayer, Lord, bless me. And we're going to look at the outcome of, of, of praying that prayer. Genesis 32, verse 34. Jacob is older in life. He's, a lot of things have happened in his life. And he was on his way um, to try to make amends with his brother Esau. And it's been years. Years had gone by. They had, it was bad blood between them and things were not good, mostly because of Jacob. But here's what happens in verse 24. It says, Jacob was left all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. It's, theologians named that man, um, it's actually a, 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 what's called a theophany, the a manifestation or the appearance of God to, to a person. So as he's wrestling with God is what he's doing. And it says, when, he, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go for the day, for the dawn is breaking. But here's what Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. He said, okay, so here's the deal. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. And the man said, why do you want to know my name? And then he blessed Jacob there. And then Jacob named the place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And then the sun was rising as Jacob left there, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Jacob, his name actually means deceiver or supplanter. His whole life, up until now, Jacob was a deceiver. He was a manipulator. He manipulated and deceived his brother Esau to sell him and give him his birthright Esau was supposed to get the blessing of his father Isaac as the oldest. Instead, Jacob deceived him into getting it. Then he deceived his father Isaac in the process. Jacob went on. He went on to live his life. He deceived his father-in-law. He just, that was his way. And, And here he was, his past was catching up to him. And it said he was left all alone that night. He had sent his family and his livestock and everyone else on ahead of him, and he was left there all alone, and he encountered God there when he was by himself. His past was catching up to him. Esau was looking for him. He had over 400 men looking and coming to meet Jacob. Jacob thought, this is the end of my life. Jacob's, or excuse me, Esau's tougher than me, stronger than me, can fight dirtier than I can. He's just going to be able to whoop me this time and get the best of me. This is the end of it. This is, this, is the, this is it. I'm going to try to do all I can to get out of it. And his past was chasing him down. And, and there he goes. He has an encounter with God all alone, wrestling with God. And God touched his, touched his hip and it caused it to come out of socket. And he ended up limping for the rest of his life. In other words, Jacob was humbled. He was humbled. He saw God face to face and he lived. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means prevailer. So this deceiver has an encounter with the divine, and he comes out transformed into prevailer. And it doesn't look like Jacob won because his hip was wrenched, and he limped now for the rest of his life. Instead of walking upright, he, he walked 
bent over and, and, and slumped down and, and slower with a limp. And this prayer that he prayed, Lord, bless me, bless me tonight. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Actually led to Jacob's brokenness, which showcased God's mark on his life. And then it led to his identity change from Jacob, from deceiver to Israel to prevailer. He took on his new identity that God had kept for him. This is who he really was. He was not supposed to be a deceiver. He was really supposed to be a prevailer, one whom God helped to overcome. But his whole life was built around him making it happen. And now it was going to be about God showing Jacob Now, Israel, I will make it happen. Therefore, you will prevail. Represents God's hand on his life. And that led him to then go and make peace with Esau. The next day, uh, Esau is coming, Jacob's family and all of his livestock. He's got them broken up into different groups, and he's going to offer Esau kind of a peace treaty uh, plan here. And he's like, I'm going to give you all of these things because I want you to know I don't really want you to be against me anymore. I want things to be good between us. And, and, and they, they meet. Esau finally comes face to face and he sees Jacob, the silhouette of a man coming over the hilltop and instead of walking upright and walking with such poise and walking with such stature and, and walking with swag, he's now humbled and he's limping. And he said, that can't be Jacob. But as they get close to one another, he sees that it's Jacob and Jacob sees that it's Esau. Esau doesn't know that his name has been changed yet from Jacob to Israel, from deceiver to prevailer, and they come face to face. And Esau, he's not angry. He's not, he's not, he's not showing the sign that he wants to tangle with him to that, in that manner. And, and, and Jacob is like, man, it's so good to see a smile from you today. And he said, in fact, seeing your smile is like seeing God face to face. It reminded him in that moment with his past that the night before God took care of it, when he named the place where he encountered God face to face. That's what it sounded like. It means face of God. And here he was meeting his past, and his past was not angry with him. His past did not want to revenge on him. His past did not want to take it out on him. His past was willing to just let it all go. Jacob praying, Lord, bless me, led to his brokenness, and it was his brokenness that led him to have peace with God and peace with mankind. It shows God's love and forgiveness in his life. No longer would he deceive. He now possessed the character. Jacob now possessed the kind of character needed to carry the blessing of God in his life. And so then, earlier in his life, this deceiver, Jacob, actually, in his lineage, gives birth to praise, which another name, the real name is Judah, which means praise. Through his descendants, he gives birth to Judah, which means praise. And then this Judah eventually gives birth to, in his lineage, gives birth to someone named Jabez, which means pain. So deceiver has given birth to praise, and praise gives birth to pain. I kind of wonder if Jabez's life, we're going to look at it, if, if part of his life would have turned out the way it turns out if Jacob 
had not prayed, Lord, bless me. Not really perhaps even maybe understanding the fullness of the effect of Lord, bless me, would be his brokenness, which would ultimately lead to him having the kind of character he needed in order to carry the blessing of God in his life. You ever met anybody who just has, seems to just have it all going on? <laughs> I mean, they just seem to just, they, they touch a table and it turns into gold. And you're like, how do they do that? I touch it and it falls apart. They wake up and they have more money in their bank account than they did before they went to sleep. I wake up and more is gone. I'm like, what, what's the deal? You ever met anybody that just has some things going on for them? You're like, wow, it'd be cool to have that, it'd be cool to have that, or whatever it is. But when looking at them, you see they don't really fully appreciate what they have. Maybe they have a full family, they have a, they have a wife, they have children, they have a home, they have cars, they have this, they have that. They seem to have it all going for them. Meanwhile, someone over here is looking at them and like, man, I wish I had that. They don't have a wife, they don't have children, they don't have cars. Maybe they lost it all. Maybe it was some things terribly went wrong in their life. And they're looking at this other person and they talk to them and, they, and, they're, inter, and they're interacting and that person who seems to have it all, telling, telling the one who has nothing like, yeah, I just, I don't have enough. I mean, what I have is just not content. I'm not, I'm not happy. Uh, she complains all the time. My kids are bratty. They have everything they want, but they don't appreciate anything. I just, you know, and I work all the time and I just, there's just never enough. It's just never enough. We fight and argue all the time, all of these different things. Meanwhile, the one who has nothing is looking at the one who seems to have everything and be like, man, you got it made. If I just had a spouse, if I just had children, if I just had some of the things you had, I would appreciate it. You ever met anybody like that? Just seems to have it all, but yet they don't really appreciate, fully appreciate the fullness of what they have been given. And there, that was Jacob. Did not appreciate the fullness of what he had been given. And he prayed, Lord, bless me. And it brought him to his knees. Brought him with a limp. Brought him to a place where now the character that was needed is there. And he could walk in it. Fully appreciate it. And face his past. And not have to hide it anymore. Not have to run from it anymore. Not have to pretend it was not out there anymore. But now he had the character to carry the weight of the blessing of God in his life. And here comes Jabez. There's not a lot of backstory to Jabez like there has been to Jacob. Jabez, to my knowledge, is only mentioned a couple, his name is only mentioned a couple of times in this chapter, 1 Chronicles 4. But first, once as the descendants of Judah who came from Jacob were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobel. And then down in verse 9 it says, There was a name, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. Aren't all of them? He was the one, I've heard, he, he, had, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. This is what it says about him chronicling the life. It was... He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. 
And then, and God granted him his request. And we don't know anything about him. Don't know exactly what he did, how he lived. It says, though, it was chronicled about him later that he was more honorable than any of his brothers. So he stood out. He stood up in a healthy way, in a right way, in a God-pleasing way. And his name means pain or distress, born in that. And so his mom named him that. You pained me? I'm going to call you pain. You cause me distress? Your name is distress. How about that? Thank God our mothers did not do that to us today. You caused me all this pain giving birth to you. I'm going to call you pain. The master of pain. The rest of your life. But he wasn't known for pain. He was actually known for the prayer. His bold prayer. Like I said, there was, there's a book written all about this prayer. It's not a big book. It's a little thin book. But man, a lot of, a lot of good in that. He was known for his bold prayer. I kind of get the impression he was like, you know, I know I was named pain, but I don't want to be known as pain. I don't want to be a pain in someone's neck. I don't want to be a pain to my parents. I don't want to be a pain to my siblings. I don't want to be a pain in this world. I know I was named that, but that is not who I really want to be. That's not who I am. And he prayed. And he was like, God, take this pain out of my life and turn it into purpose for your glory. You know, God specializes in that. He did that with Joseph. And you see that throughout the entire Bible. Romans 8.28 reminds us, as Paul writes, and God will take everything and turn it around for our good, for those who actually love the Lord and who live for the purpose of God in their life. God can take pain and turn it into purpose. God can take setbacks and make it come to a Come back. God can do those things. That's how He works in our life. If He will just give Him the room and the space and the opportunity to work in our life. And that's how it happens when we pray prayers like, Lord, bless me. All right. You say, Lord, bless me. Here's what I'm going to do. And He does it through a process. And He does take the pain. And He takes it and turns it into a purpose. And that's what we have here for Jabez is just His prayer. It does not a lot to it in the sense of how many words he prays, but there's a lot to it when it comes to his heart behind it and with the divine working through it. He says, Lord, oh God, the God of Israel, bless me. Bless me. I believe you have a purpose for me, a divine purpose for my life to accomplish. And so I'm asking you to put your divine favor on life for that purpose. God, expand my territory. Enlarge me, Lord. God, help me in what I do. Help me in my job. Help me in my work. Help me in this purpose you've given me on this earth. Take up the space in my life. And when you take up the space in my life, things get bigger. doesn't always equate to to material, tangible resources. It can, but that's not all life is about. Enlarge my territory. Take up space in my life and be so big in me that it affects those around me. 
That it affects my marriage, it affects my children, it affects my grandchildren, it has effect on my great-grandchildren, it has effect on strangers, it has effect on my faith family, it has effect on my co-workers, God, as I go to work every day. And they might be a little cray-cray working around me, but God, I'm going to hold my sanity because you bless the one whose mind has stayed on you. Enlarge my territory where I'm at. And he said, Lord, be with me. Be with me. Let your hand, some translations say, let your hand be on my life. In other words, Jabez is praying, Lord, I I accept your lordship over me, your rule over me. I don't go and come and do what I want. I'll only go and come and do what you say. I will live a life that is upright before you. May your hand be on me. And then he prays, Keep me from evil so that I won't cause pain. Keep me from evil so that I will not cause pain. Praying, Lord, I declare that you are my God and you are the one true God. That all the blessings that I experience in my life, they actually come from you, Lord. I know you've given me the ability and you've put strength in me and you've put breath in me and you've given me skill and you've given me gift and you've given me the ability to to become better at everything in life. But I recognize all of that comes from my Creator. You will always be the center of my life, Lord. Don't let what I was born into... Follow me all the days of my life. I know none of us can help what we are born into, but we can help what we become. We can help what we become. And what we become can either be a product of this world, or it can be a product of God's kingdom in our life. And Jabez prayed, Lord, keep me from pain, so I'll, keep me from evil so I will not cause pain. Change this about me. I don't want to be known as pain. I want to be known with someone who lived their purpose for God. And that's exactly what he did. He lived in more honor than anyone else in his family. Because it said, and God granted his request. He prayed a prayer that was not about selfish gain. Him praying, Lord bless me, was bigger than just God putting tangible Uh, consumable, material resources in his hand. But it, it was bigger than that. He lived more honorably than his brothers. He might have been born in pain, but he lived a life of honor that people knew about that. People recognized that. People saw there was something evident from the divine on his life. God had marked him. God had kept him. God had preserved him. God had transformed him from pain to honor. This pain had an encounter with the divine, and this divine transformed him to a man and a person of honor. So I don't know what all is happening in, our, in your life right now in the sense of where you've come from, what you were born into, or what maybe you have stepped into. But wherever you are right now, if it is, if it is not the pleasurable sight before God, God says, look, this can change. 
Your situation can change. Your heart can change. Your mind can change. Your spirit can change. Your soul can change. You do not have to be the environment that you were in. You don't have to be the product of the situation you were in. I can make that change for you. And when we pray the bold prayer of, Lord, bless me, we're praying the bold prayer of God. By your Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. I want the Holy Spirit to so be real in me, to so be at work in me, that there is the evidence of the divine working in my life. And you know, here's the great thing about God. Paul said this to the Philippians, hey, what God starts, He will finish. The work of God that has began in you, He will carry it out into completion until Christ comes back. So in other words, He's going to be working it out in us, working it in us and for us, all the way until Jesus comes when Jesus finally completes the work. Or we go there first to meet Him in heaven. God always finishes what He starts. And He does so when we pray the prayer, Lord, bless me. It's bold because of the implication involved in it. It's saying, God... I boldly pray that you would come work in me. Work in me in such a way that would would enable me to live a life for your glory in everything that I do and in everything that I say and in all aspects of my life. The private side of me where no one else sees me, the secret side where no one else knows about me, to the public side, Lord, that where everyone sees me and where everyone thinks they know me, I want to live a life that is honorable and glorifying to you. So when we pray, pray the bold prayer, Lord, bless me, we're really praying, Lord, break me. Give me the character to carry the weight of your divine favor in my life. Would you stand with me? I want to come to a close. It's a familiar part of Scripture to us. It's one of the oldest blessings in the Bible. It's called the priestly blessing. It's found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. It says, The Lord said to Moses... Tell Aaron and his sons, the priests, to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. He says, whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, God says, I will bless them. God wants to bless us. He wants His divine favor to rest on us and be at work in our life. But He wants to do so with us being able to receive it and walk with it in a way that would showcase honor back to the Father who gives us this blessing.
before we leave here in a second, I'm going to pronounce this. We used to do it, show it on the screen. We stopped it for a while. And I'm just going to say this benediction over you here in just a moment. But I just want to get, tell you this before we, before we break away today. Um, I want to say thank you to the church family for all of you, your faithfulness in giving and your tithe and your offering. Over the last uh, 15, 16 months uh, since this pandemic started and now we're just kind of hopefully turning the corner in a lot of areas, this church has not missed one beat. You guys have been so faithful and so kind and so generous in your giving that we've been able to continue to carry on with the work of the ministry here at New Life Church. And so I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart when I see that I, I appreciate that and I want to thank you for that. Uh, because it allows us to continue to carry on and do what we do here and through New Life Church. And we've been able to be a blessing to so many. Lindsay gives highlights every month uh, on the different ways we reach beyond our four walls into the community and and around the world and uh, in different ways. And so uh, we're going to have several reports coming out about that over the next couple of months in different ways we've been able to contribute and be a blessing to others. But Today, before you leave, as you, as you give, we have giving stations, as you know, at the back. You can drop your tithe off there. You're giving there. Online, you can give to, uh, through our New Life Church website, nlc.org, or you can give using the Church Center app that so many use as well. And um, so you can take advantage and opportunity of those different ways to give. And when all else fails, you can always mail your tithe into the church, P.O. Box 11535, Jackson 38308. Um, don't forget... We've got teenagers at youth camp. They finish up this afternoon, uh, I think around 5 p.m. And uh, great reports out of our New Life Kids Camp the first part of the week. And uh, just believing for big things from our our next-gen and glare youth from their camp um, that ends today. Just think about them today. And don't forget to go pick them up if they belong to you as well. Um, So I want to pronounce this benediction over your life. And and if you would, just kind of in a posture of receiving, just kind of lift your hands to the Lord if you're able to do that. Now I'm just going to pronounce this blessing over you. If you're watching uh, from online and you're able to lift your hands, here's what it says. The Lord is blessing you by constantly bringing good into your life. The Lord is keeping you. So the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross is guarding all that is sacred and precious about you. The Lord is making His face to shine upon you and is gracious to you by having His glory always shine on your life. The Lord is lifting up His countenance upon you by always letting you know that He is fully present and is self-giving to you. The Lord is giving you peace, unthreatened and undisturbed peace. And your soul is feeling its worth in the significance of Christ Jesus as you go today. The Lord bless you and enable you to walk life with His glory and your thanks to Him. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bless you.